Do you like pop culture? I do. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, Andrew. Oh. If you enjoy movies, television, all that kind of stuff, uh, we have a lot of fun on Sif Pop Podcast, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. So you can come check us out every week. You can listen live or just download it to your podcast feed. Every single week, Aaron breaks down the newest movies that are big in theaters, and I make funny noises. <laughs> you could probably pick one of those that you would like. You can join us every weekend live by looking at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA, or you can find us in your podcast player a preference by searching for Sift Pop. This podcast is supported by Conspiracy Unlimited. Richard Serrett is a regular guest host on Coast to Coast AM, the most listened to late night radio program in the world. Now you can hear Richard on his podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, three days a week. Political intrigue and scepterfuge, conspiracies, the paranormal, UFOs, alternative energy, and more. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Conspiracy Unlimited, following the truth wherever it leads. Listen and subscribe at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast, a studio DNA podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at TheHorribleMoviePodcast.com. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. You can become a patron of our show and the Studio DNA Network by going to patreon.com slash studio DNA to find out more. Now, here's the show. Welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. My name is Jack. Thanks for tuning in and downloading this episode today on the Horrible Movie Podcast. We are talking about the biggest box office busts of all time by financial and critical busts. I'll go over the criteria in a bit. Always, as always, along with me on this ride is producer Phil. Producer Phil, what is up, my brother? Uh, I just want to say I've, I've hosted this podcast for like 134 episodes you right have? now. And um, I'm just glad to have you on every single week, Jack. I'm glad to be here to be the color guy, <laughs> the color commentary guy. I love it. I'm not the host. You are the host. But I love being on this podcast with you. It's fun. I, I will say this, Phil. There is no horrible movie, pod, horrible movie podcast without Phil. There is none. When if Phil, if for some reason... It takes two. Yeah, but for some reason, if some much larger podcast rooks you into uh, doing all their production stuff, and then you just don't have time, and you have to say, Jack, I, I, these, this much bigger show is going to take up all my time, I'm just going to say, you know what? We're just retiring this, and I'm going to start a wrestling podcast called <laughs> uh, Top Rope Turnbuckle Podcast Ooh. with uh, the original Nightmare, Jack. Here's, here's what I'll promise you, Jack. I'll... Tune into that podcast. Yes, I appreciate that, <laughs> Phil. Uh, you're a big time uh, super slow guys. Phil produ- Phil does the production 
on like four other podcasts, and and he just is uh, he's he is the talent of this podcast. I am the hilarious uh, in my own mind um, kind of uh, person. I'm like the Screech Powers of the show. I'm the Urkel of the show. Did I do that? <laughs> I got you on that. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to do it. Uh, we're going to start the show out with this. Before we get into the biggest box office busts of all time, both financially and critically, um, I want to talk about fans of our show that are the best around. We have the best fans and people that listen to the live chat every week and people that do awesome iTunes reviews and awesome reviews on other services like Podbean and other things that they do reviews on Google Play, not Google Drive, but Google Play. Uh, and anywhere you hear your podcast, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, can't forget them. Uh, and I want to talk about that. Please rate, review our show. we love for you to do that. Just go over to iTunes and do that. Five stars, please. Uh, but we want to talk, I want to focus in. We've got a care package for our entire studio. Studio DNA is our stu- is our uh, podcast network that we're on, along with Sif Pop. Along with uh, what else with Corey Mann, along with Sports Jack. Have you heard? Have you listened to Sports Jack yet? It is phenomenal. Is it really good? Oh, it's great. It's cool. a great show. Uh, I, I'm not much. I think I would. I'm just not into sports like you are. But. Yeah, but it's great. It's great. Uh, and if you're in the Chicago area or the South Bend, like the uh, Notre Dame, it's, if you're a Notre Dame, fan, you'll love. You'll love it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but we have great fans, and we got a care package. Everyone in the Studio DNA Network got a care package, and David from our live chat, who's very just always always helpful always super helpful has helped us out with all kinds of stuff i uh, sent every one of us a care package and i wanted to thank uh david from the live chat thank you so much our fans are so important super super important phil uh we have a facebook review from another fan tell tell the folks about this facebook review you can read it go ahead and read it okay yeah, it's from uh, Brian, who's actually in our chat tonight. So thank you, Brian. Um, Studio DNA is home to all podcasts. Whether you are loving films, both good, bad, or horrible, so that we would be the last one in that list, uh, this is a fun, insightful site to be at. I have joined Aaron Dicer, Danae Hughes, and, of course, other special guests on this podcast with many others, which I actually have heard Brian uh, on the show before. And that's on Sif Pop. Yes, he's been on Sif Pop before, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, shout out to uh, Jack Bull, a friend from the UK. And overall, if your movie friends love to hang out with us, join us on the weekends with a Sif Pop podcast. They re- usually record on Saturday. I'm interjecting this. They usually record on Saturdays. Uh, they recorded on Sunday today and, and also next week. Uh, if Or if you love cinematic garbage films, I love that. Yeah. Uh, join producer Phil yep, there he is. on the Horrible Movie I love Podcast. It. Yeah. Love to see you all there soon. It's so, awesome. <clears throat> thank you, Brian. That's That means Brian, a lot Brian, thank us. you so much. Yeah, and, it really does. Um, I wanted to read an iTunes review that I got uh, uh, from... Uh, a, a guy named North Sirrett, and that is uh, he, in his. In, it's from Canada, and he he says in his review, my 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 dad is Richard Sirrett. I know, uh, <laughs> I know that I could be lying, but that's not the point. <laughs> I really like this podcast. It is funny, wow. but also full of facts uh, and opinion. My dad also really likes it, and he thinks it's unique. Uh, and fun to listen to. Wow. North, if you're listening, thank you so much for listening. That's cool. You you rock, buddy. And uh, your dad's pretty darn cool, too. So anyway, hey, good stuff. We do have the best fans. We have great fans. And it's been one of those things of we just uh, love interacting. So join our live chat, Spreaker.com slash DNA. I normally, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I will send out when we're going to go live at least a day in advance so you can kind of prep for the movie we're going to do. 
Uh, and anyway, without further ado, this week's um, this week's episode is going to be all about uh, the biggest box office busts of all time. This is both critically and financially. All of them that I have on my list, and this is all Jack's list, so they're all uh, financially bad. Okay, mm-hmm. I understand this. Yeah. I have done a lot of research, We Phil. do a lot of subjective talk on this uh, show. Yeah. This is not subjective at all. Like These are just a hardcore numbers. Yes. Now, <laughs> I've taken those, and in that group of about 17 or 18 that everyone would talk about probably as a big-time box office bust, um, I have narrowed it down to critical and then also I, even a... Basically, a t- uh, detrimental to careers. Right, like I'm talking, right. like like in Hollywood, folks, uh, they'll just throw money at things, and it's fine. It's banking on it's these big studios that have the deepest pockets you can imagine that are backed by huge companies, and they will throw money at things. And if they lose money, they lose money. I'm assuming they write that all off. I'm not sure how that part of it works, but I'll, but I've done research on trying to find the marketing costs. That's the cost that a lot of things that are not added in. Mm-hmm. So when you hear people talk about, oh, it 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 had a this big a box office and it had uh, this uh, had this big of a budget had this big of a box office. A lot of times that box that that profit or that box office it the, doesn't include the marketing. Right, the marketing is included in the. Bo- a budget. lot of times it's not in the budget. They don't include that. They're, they're talking like cameras and people to actually shoot the film and stuff like that. Yeah, not and thinking the personnel. About it. Yes, and sometimes the those. I mean, as you'll probably mentioned here in a little bit sometimes the marketing budget for these movies are huge like i mean they they market in on t- television in trailers before other films in posters in you know video games sometimes like it's sometimes those marketing budgets are amazing and um that's the one big thing is that they will uh you just don't get to see the full oh uh, the, the full effect of <clears throat> of of the movie and the the loss that you get from um, when they don't include the marketing budgets. Yeah, uh, let's talk this real quick before we get into the list. Um, Phil, I would like you to start us off with our sound clip. I'm going to give you before we go to our first break. I want to go to an honorable mention on this list. Did not make the list. Okay, it was a very close one to get on that tenth spot, but really. This clip for me, when I watched it, was the reason I wanted to critically put this movie somewhere <laughs> in this list. Uh, this movie is 2015's Pan, starring Hugh Jackman. Now, here's why it made it on this list. Uh, Phil, uh, if you will play our sound clip, this is about a minute and a half, folks. Uh, just listen, see if you can figure out what song they're singing, <laughs> the children are singing to Hook. I, I, I will say this, I didn't figure it out for a good 15, 20 seconds. So. Right, see if you can figure it out, live chat, chime in when you can. Oh, sorry, I didn't pause. I don't think it's readily apparent for most people. Is this Canada? Is this Canada? Now you know what it is. This is from the movie Pan, about Peter Pan, 2015. Yes. Hello, 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 hello,
so weird. So all the children are forced to sing this as Pan makes his big entrance. Kirk, Kirk Cobain would be so pumped. Don't you think Kirk Cobain would be like, this is so weird. I think he's rolling over in his grave right now. Courtney, Courtney Love's like, yeah, <laughs> more money. Hello. Now, this is Hugh now, Jackman. Here's Hugh Jackman's scene. Um, he's warming up for the greatest showman, folks. He's just warming up for the greatest showman. You know, the greatest showman had a really weak opening weekend. Did you know that? Did it really? Yeah, it had a really weak opening weekend. And then it was like gangbusters. Like, my son is singing the songs from The Greatest Showman. Word of mouth. Yeah. Much like P.T. Barnum would have had it. Word of mouth. Uh, this movie, this is a sound clip from Pan. Okay. I, I can't believe it. Like, anyway, when isn't you, that random? When you showed this to me earlier, I was just like, that was in a film? Like, yep. they choreographed that whole... Which is a pretty amazing choreographed piece. It's It looks good, but it's just like the song choice is weird. Yeah, so that was Pan uh, starring Hugh Jackman. Uh, budget of 150 million dollars. Uh, box office, um, box office of 128 million dollars. But the marketing, the marketing uh, cranked this up to where the loss ended up being right at 100 million dollars on this movie. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a lot of money. And so, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of loss. Aaron has said this a lot in Stiff Pop, and I didn't really understand it until I started digging in. That they're they're talking that loss, and they're just like every movie's a loss. Yeah, like every movie is a stinging loss. Like Castaway, like he was talking about people talking about Castaway making having a loss, which is amazing. Anyway, we're about to hit hit our break. When we come back, folks, we're gonna uh, hit our top ten biggest box office bust of all time. See you in a second. Welcome back to the horror movie horrible movie podcast. My name is Jack. Thanks for tuning in. We've got producer Phil in the hizzy in the house. What's up, Phil? I'm excited about this. It's a unique show today. On this show, we are talking about the biggest box office busts of all time, in parentheses, both critically and financially. Uh, these are all financial blunders. I've got numbers for you. Uh, most of these I have marketing numbers on as well. And uh, on a few of them, I've got some inflation numbers that have helped kind of bring that along the, to show you how much loss we had on those. Uh, so without further ado, let's see what I got here. Um Without further ado, we're going to start our top 10 list of biggest box office blunders of all time. Number 10 on the list. Some might say that this one should be higher on the list. Uh, I saw this one in theaters. So you, you helped, you tried, you did I your tried. best. Well, no, they, and they, they had a big, pretty good sized box office here, Philip. But this movie is Poseidon. Poseidon. Uh, it's a 2006 movie. It's a disaster movie. Um, and it was directed by a guy named Wolfgang Peterson uh, with a name like Wolfgang. It has to be good. <laughs> and uh, it's starring Josh Lucas, who was hot in 2006. As hot as anybody in 2006, other than maybe Josh Hartnett. Uh, Kurt Russell is in it, so it's got to be good. Yeah. And in Richard Dreyfus, Mr. Holland. Uh, stars in this movie, uh, and the hilarity ensues. They're on a big cruiser, much like in the pre-show we talked about Titanic. Well, in this one, they're on a big, big ship, and it 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 uh, wrecks, and it's a big disaster film. Um, box office. I'm gonna tell you right now, Phil. 
just so you have a context of it. Uh, the box office on Poseidon uh, was, oh no, rewind. The budget was $160 million. That's the budget. Okay. Uh, the box office was $182 million. However, after, after inflation is added in and after the marketing costs are, are deducted, $80 million loss. Oh, wow. So they spent a lot of money on marketing then. Tried. They all try. And it, I mean, guys, television time takes forever. I mean, it takes a lot of money. It yeah. just takes forever. It takes a lot of money. <coughs> Any, anything like that. You know what that tells me is they really believed in this movie. Well, like, you're, right, you're right for this one. This movie set a Guinness World Book of Records. <laughs> you know what the record is for? It's a record held by Industrial Light and Magic. And that record is the most individual CGI uh, individual objects created oh, wow. for a movie. Wow. And it's 181,579. Wow. Individual objects created for a movie. I was going to say, uh, it's, you know. I think along with, that's along with real act, like real life yeah. stuff. But, because so like in other movies. Last, last week we just talked about Star Wars, Star Wars Episode One, Yeah. And um, our guest, Mark Napier, who is on that show. Adam. I'm sorry, Mark. I'm thinking of another Mark Napier, uh, another Napier named Mark. Uh, Adam was talking about how there, there were entire scenes that were 100% CGI Jeez. and how that was a big deal for 1999, I think is when to that To the movie point where out. he was just like, like, like George Lucas, like, look what I can do with yeah. CGI. But the fact that this movie beats that movie as far as like the number of individual objects is really saying something. And that may have been, I will correct myself here, that there's a shot that that was of the time and then... Well, no, that would be that would be 2006 was yeah it would have been I mean, after that one yeah. honestly like uh, the previous holder of that record probably was that movie on mm-hmm. um, the Phantom Menace but um, yeah that's amazing okay uh, that was so number, that was a lot of their budget then was just the CGI alone that was number ten on the list Poseidon again starring Kurt Russell by the way it's Richard re- Dreyfus I just looked this up it's yeah, a, it, I don't know this off the dome the that movie is a remake of a 1972 movie called yes. The Poseidon Adventure. Yes. Huge box office success. I mean, it bl- right. blew away its budget. So they were probably trying to capture lightning in a bottle again. Well, and and let's the remake. Why not, you know? that The previous, the original movie had a four, I mean, this is 1972 dollars, had a $4 million, almost a $5 million budget, and it made $127 million. So That's pretty good. Yeah. Back, the, back then. Yeah. I mean, it was over $100 million in profit. So. Allegedly. All right. All right. So there we go. Poseidon, number 10 on our list. CGI Nightmare. Um, number nine. Uh, a movie, I don't know if you have seen this or not, but it's based on an old um, a, a, a book, a novel, an old one, and the source material is really old. Uh, it is something we would like to call John Carter. This is not Coach Carter. This is John Carter, a Disney creation. Um, John Carter is an American. Uh, let's give you a little background here. He is a um, an American who is a Civil War uh, Confederate Army captain in ni- in eighteen eighty one. He and he is taken. He is taken to Mars, where there's a Mars colony, or a, a people on. There are people a. Uh, uh, there's a civilization on Mars. In 1881? Yes. Okay. Anyway, so there it is. <laughs> I'm with you. <ya. laughs> yeah. Uh, now, I the source material of this is like that of 
kind of legend like uh like so it's th- old it's really old is this a sci-fi movie oh it's absolutely sci-fi i definitely did not see this movie it it's, came- it's absolutely sci-fi i've seen it once and it is a uh it is a cluster uh okay yeah it came out in 2012 apparently he i think he goes if i remember this Disney, he goes wow. there in like ethereal form like he doesn't travel there in his body i think he travels there mentally i, I can't it's been a while since i've seen this movie anyway uh, J- John Carter is this movie. Um, let me give you the. Uh, this is a, no. You said it's based on a book. Based on a book, okay. directed by Andrew Stanton uh, in uh, nineteen or two thousand twelve. Okay, in two thousand twelve, and uh, it was it star, stars Taylor Kitsch, uh, who's kind of a he's in stuff, but he's a little known. And then beyond that, Mark Strong is in it. And other people I've seen, James Purefoy is in it. William Defoe is in it, um, but. Didn't get good reviews. Uh, the numbers on the numbers on uh, Wikipedia give it a three hundred and six million dollar budget mm-hmm. and a uh, two hundred eighty four million dollar box office. So it, uh, lasts, it lasts more than twenty million it, on that on those numbers. Now, when you add in marketing, okay, when you add in marketing of about a hundred million, because I remember this being marketed and me going what. What is this? Like I, I was trying to figure out what it was. Like you, I was explaining it to you. I, w- I was also trying. I remember when it first came out. What am I looking at here? It also had a hundred. Well, that's not too bad. One hundred thirty-two minute. Uh, one hundred thirty-two minute runtime is pretty long for this. Um, two hundred. By, by the way, the original book is called A Princess of Mars. I almost feel like that's a better title. Like it's might more, have been more intriguing. Yeah. Um, about a three hundred million dollar budget. Marketing of a hundred million dollars. Earnings of $285 million, about a $65 million loss. But it's on Disney, and Disney is such a huge company. Um, how about that? David, in the live chat, horrible title. Yeah, John Carter of Mars, bad title, Very doesn't explain the movie. David really likes that movie. How about that? Oh, John Carter? Yeah, John Carter. Yeah. Um, as far as the traction that it didn't get, I think Disney expected it to get uh, a little bit more traction. Uh, than it did. Uh, it definitely uh, didn't didn't do other Disney uh, movies very much justice or help. What's that other sci-fi Disney movie that came out? Um, tomorrow was it Tomorrowland? Now Tomorrowland would be an honorable mention on this list. Okay, it, uh, it kind of did this a similar thing, right? Yes, where it was a an like an older source material kind of thing, older, uh, and it just didn't uh, live up to what they thought it was going to do in the hype machine. But uh, anyway. It, it was really close to his um, budget and box office were about even. It, it basically was a break-even movie. It didn't really make him any money. Number nine on our list, like I said, uh, John Carter. Bad title. David, you are correct, exactly right. John Carter as a title. Could well, it be anything. It, it, could be a, it could be a uh, attorney at law. Could however, be anything. However, John Wick did <coughs> just fine with John Wick. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Number eight on our list. Titan A.E. Oh. Have you seen it? I think I have, actually. Animated movie um, directed by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Not Gary Oldman, but Gary Goldman. Now, we should say Don Bluth <laughs> is a legend when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, uh, Starring Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, John Leguizamo, uh, Janine Garofalo, is a name from the past, and uh, Nathan Lane is in it. And uh, Drew Barrymore. You might remember her from E.T. She's the little girl from E.T. Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Sorry, it was a joke. Uh, also, like, I feel like she's in like 10 Adam Sandler movies. But is she just in one? 
Is she just just in Fifty First Dates? Who? Drew Barrymore. No, she's been in several. Okay, she, she was in um, Wedding Singer. So they act a lot together. Julia Gulia. Okay, Julia. Ah, there you go. <laughs> um. So there you go. Uh, budget on this one. Let me say this: it's animated, uh, and uh, it gets panned a lot for the uh, plot of it being recycled sci-fi. Mm. A lot of the same stuff. We're after Earth. Titan after Earth, we're trying to find a new home. We're trying to find a new planet planet for us to live on, uh, and uh, doesn't doesn't get the uh, doesn't really get it. The budget of ninety million was lower for this list. Box office a thirty seven million, and then the uh, inflation adjustment and marketing uh, take this to a hundred and thirty nine million dollar loss. Whoa, that's that is horrible. Because they had to try to crank it out because they tried to make. What they do, I think what people do on movies is if it's a topic or a title that no one really understands or knows about, yeah, they they really show that marketing out there because they want to they they gotta get it in front of people and they've gotta almost explain it over and over again so you understand what's happening. Yeah. And lots of previews and blah 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 blah. And so on this movie, I don't think anyone knew what it was and it was animated, which in uh was this two thousand? Did I say that was two thousand? Is that right? Yeah, yeah two, in two thousand. Yeah, in two thousand, huge cast. Uh, yeah. Don, Don Bluth. I mean, Don Bluth has done like um, uh, American Tale, uh, Thumbelina, Anastasia, like movies that that were really critically acclaimed for the most part. And he's uh, when it comes to animated movies, like throughout the eighties and nineties, he was kind of the name, like the guy that would do a lot of these non Disney but you know high quality animated films. I think this is the last uh, Fox. Uh, Animated, uh, animated film. Fox Studios. Uh, it's, it's definitely the last one that he directed. Yeah, this Don is Blair. the last. No, this is after this movie. Fox Animated Studios. This is from my my notes. Fox Animated Studios closed after this. Yeah, this is the last Fox Animated and, film. And his direct. So his directing career was over after yeah. this movie. And this isn't even the one that I was saying is going to shut down. A, a, a studio shut down because of the movie. So right. That's still to come, folks. On our list. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that was number eight, Titan A.E. That's sad. I remember that movie coming out and thinking like, oh man, like the track records of, of this guy's other films were so great and I love sci-fi and yeah, with a huge cast and him behind it, it what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Oh, it's Hollywood. Anything can go wrong because remember folks, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible, Phil. Mm. Uh, okay, that was number eight, Titan A.E., 2000's Titan A.E. Uh, animated movie right there. It's animated. And number seven, animated movie. Mm. A lot of CGI, though. That's right. A Disney adventure for all ages. What happens, Phil? <laughs> what happens when a kid wakes up and sees that his mom is being abducted? But not just by any old creeper that comes into their house. By aliens from Mars. That's right. <laughs> Mars needs moms. A CGI nightmare. That's the name of the movie? Mars Needs Moms. <laughs> okay. 2011. Uh, it's, hey, it was done in 3D computer animation. Like, its main version, <laughs> its main version, they're like, we believe in this project so much, we're, we're going to do it in 3D. And then every other version had to be adapted away from 3D. That's how much they believed in it. I'm telling you, Jack, I've never heard this movie. Directed by uh, Simon Wells, produced by, ready for this one, Robert Zemeckis. Oh, wow. Uh, didn't he do Forrest Gump? 
Um, is that, is that I don't him? know. I, I, I recognize that name. Which uh, is really he's done all kinds of stuff. Uh, starring Seth Green, <clears throat> Dan Fogler, who does uh, normally does some okay movies, right? Am yeah, I right? He, he did do Forrest Gump. Dan Fogler uh, is credited with um, being in a lot of uh, this kind of movie, though, right? Is he a voice actor? I'm, I'm, I'm screwing this one up here. Hold on. He's in Fantastic Beasts. Uh, he's in uh, other stuff. Dan yeah. Fogler? Dan Fogler. Okay. Not Dan Fogelberg. For you, other people. Anyway, uh, John Kung Cusack. Fu Panda. Yeah, uh, John Cusack is also in Amenities. Jones, Joan Cusack. Oh, sorry, <laughs> his sister. Uh, you know, today I watched uh, School of Rock, and she's in School of Rock. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's a side note. I'll talk about that later. Um. Anyway, so Seth Green is the main character, huh? Yes. Mars needs moms. Uh, Disney presents a movie so dumb that we're not sure why we made it. Uh, there are is a whole society of people living on Mars, folks, and they don't have uh, good moms. They they don't have any the the they they want to bring they want to abduct uh, human moms to help their society out to have someone to care for them. So they go to abduct human moms, uh, and in the end, the Martian parent the Martians. Uh, the humans uh, and the Martians, they figure out they, they figure out how they can uh, adjust. They have their, their androids are all created to resemble apparently Seth Green's mom. <laughs> it's pretty stupid. Uh, the CGI, I'll, gi- I'll, give, I'll give it to them for being a unique premise for a movie. CGI is pretty well overdone. Uh, overdone I'm really dumb. Um, and the box office on this one, uh, let me cut through my notes here. Again, I'm turning pages my computer died. <laughs> So I'm turning. The the audience can actually hear the picture. They're turning my pages. I think they can actually. (laughs) Uh, I'm turning pages. Uh, Mars needs moms. I got to find it in here. 39. Yes. 39 million. Uh, We're going with a $39 million. uh, And, oh, here it is. The bottom of my hand was covering up. So $150 million budget, earnings of $39 million. After you increase, uh, well, just straight out, that's $111 million. That's not counting, and that that's not that long ago. So inflation or marketing, that's straight up just. So it's 111 plus whatever they spend on marketing. Yes, movie. which well, you've never heard of it, so they didn't do a very good job <laughs> yeah. marketing it. They may not. They must not have spent too much on it, but yeah, <clears throat> all that CGI and a and a 3D release. That that's a that's a loss to the level of like we could pay the actors, and that's about it. Like that that's all right. we could, that's all we could afford. Um, the next one on our list, and we'll do this one before we go to break is a familiar sight uh, on on this show. That's right. Uh, the Adventures of Pluto Nash. <laughs> now, you would think this movie would be tops, but you'll, you'll, you're going to find out, folks, uh, that not only are there worse movies and more, and more critically and financially strapped, there are movies that did more to hurt careers mm. than Pluto Nash on this list. <laughs> And I'll explain why. I'll, I'll explain why. Uh, but Pluto Nash, starring Eddie Murphy, uh, at this point in 2002, he still was was uh, raring to go. Shrek was just coming around. He was donkey on Shrek, still making a lot of money. Um, yes, Beverly Hills Cop was a distant, you know, very distant in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still had a lot going for him. Another 48 hours was probably around that time. Um, but, but I will say this. Uh, this movie uh, gets a lot of critical uh, 
critical uh, bashing and money wise, hundred and thirty uh, million dollar budget, of which about twenty five million was probably uh, Eddie's uh, uh, payment, and it only made seven point one million dollars at the box office. Whoa! So on this alone, it's one hundred twenty one hundred and twenty three million dollar loss. Add inflation. We're going with $128 million that this thing lost. Jeez. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, I, they, I, they knew that something was in trouble on this, the first weekend of that movie. Pretty impressive. <laughs> That's a pretty impressive uh, uh, way to go. And again, it's Eddie Murphy. Do uh, you remember this movie when we did this? Aaron Dyser actually did this yeah, movie this, on this our show. Episode 83, if you want to go back and listen yeah, to in it. In our archive, we got a lot of great episodes in the archive, but that one is episode 83. Uh, Aaron Dyser is on that episode. We talk about Pluto Nash. It is just the worst. It's bad for bad. I mean, just in all ways, it's bad. So stupid. But somehow not the worst on our list. Uh, anyway, folks, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to continue on our list. Uh, we'll recap the list. That was number six, and we'll come back in a second. Welcome back to the Horror Movie Podcast. Again, my name is Jack. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We've got producer Phil in the house. These are some bad movies, man. We're talking today about some bad movies. Uh, horrible movies. And here's what they have to be. They are the biggest box office busts of all time. It's my top ten list of biggest box office busts of all time. This is a bust based on them uh, critically busting and financially busting. Really, they're all financial busts. There's not one that I'm just going, oh, yeah, it's uh, the bad they're financial busts. Uh, in the live chat, uh, David earlier in the live chat was talking about one of our movies on our list, John Carter, and he said he enjoyed watching it. But also, uh, the component the component does ring true on all these, the financial busting um, and the busting because uh, they're not afraid of no ghosts because they're busting. <laughs> uh, I'm busting, Jerry. I'm busting. Um, so let's recap our list to this point. We're gonna, when we start back on this, we'll be on number five, but we're going to start with number 10 was Poseidon. Number nine, John Carter. Number eight, Titan AE. Number seven, Mars Needs Moms. And, yeah, that's the real movie. Number six, Pluto Nash. The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Starring Andy Murphy as Pluto Nash. There you go. By the way, if you're listening to this on the radio, just search Horrible Movie Podcast in iTunes, and you'll get to hear what you missed. Yes. Uh, you can come back on. It's great. Uh, it's wonderful. You can listen to all the cool stuff. Uh, go to either iTunes, you can go on Google Play, Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA, and you can listen to all of our shows and all of our shows from the podcast network we're on. Uh, but yeah, if you're a radio listener, which we have a lot of great, uh, we have thousands and thousands of radio listeners because we're on a lot of stations. So anyway, and, and in large areas. Some of our stations we're on are in large areas. So that bodes well for listeners. There's some math. That's like a John Maddenism. You got to score a touchdown to win the game. <laughs> Thanks, John. Back to the action. All right. Thanks, John. We didn't know that. Thanks, John. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, Jupiter Ascending is number five on our list. Ooh, good. Jupiter Ascending. This is the first movie other than maybe Pluto Nash. Well, Titan AE did shut down Fox Animated uh, so on number the number eight movie by on the way, our list. By the way, we should say we're not celebrating the death of people's careers. No, I, I, trust me. I, people need to be working. Yes. I want them to work. It's great. Titan AE did shut down the Fox Animated Studio. Uh, Jupiter Ascending was the first one on this list, though, that has some direct ripple effects uh, that could affect people's careers. This one is the directed by the Wachowski brothers. 
Now, the Wachowskis, uh, Wachowskis, whatever you want to call them, the Matrix uh, guys, have uh, had many ups and downs in their career. Sp- uh, Speed Racer, the Matrix. Oh, I forgot that. Uh, Speed what's Racer. the other one, bigger one that I did? Like, oh, V for Vendetta. Yeah. I really like that one. Yeah. So um, it comes as no surprise uh, that they would get the green light to do a movie like Jupiter Ascending. Uh, so they directed it and produced it with a guy named Grant Hill, not the former NBA player. And then it's and it's written by the Wachowskis. So there you go, Wachowskis. I'm going to say it wrong. Starring. Here's this list. Now here's the list. Mila Kunis, Channing Tatum, who when this movie came out was the number the thing, one, the yeah. thing. Sean Bean, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Bean from Game of Thrones. Can't go wrong, right? Okay. Eddie Redmayne, who wow. is far as critical actors go. Yeah. And here's what I'll circle back around to Eddie. Uh, as far as critical actors go, Eddie is given credit. As a millennial, he is giving more credit than about anyone in his age bracket as being a great actor. Fantastic Beasts, all of the other things his, he has his, going on. His role in Fantastic Beasts was incredible. It, it was one of the best performances I saw that year. Um, the, and and that's why, hey, in this movie, uh, Channing Tatum is, is added in this movie as uh, the cool, uh, you know, brawny, good-looking dude character. He's in the good-looking guy uh, uh, role. <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about numbers on Jupiter Ascending. Uh, again, the Wachowski brothers uh, directed it, wrote it. Budget of $176 million. That seems about right for what That's it was. It's a lot of money, though. It is. But, I mean, it's all this, uh, the sci-fi, the CGI, the um, incredible, like, uh, setting, set set pieces that they had. Like, they had, like, Star Wars-level scenes with that looked, like, I'm sure it was CGI, but, like, they had to a, create, a, a crowd of, like, thousands yeah. of people. They had to create a whole world for this, and so it was yeah. real expensive. Um, gross box office of $184 million. So the gross box office, uh, it's it seceded over... The budget, right? Okay. However, when you add in the marketing costs and a little bit of inflation, but mainly the marketing costs, because they were trying to promote this movie and it was delayed to release a couple times, and I'll t- explain why in a bit. The loss actually then balloons to $121 million. Oh, wow. Because of the marketing and the delays. They added delays. One of the delays that, that I've I've read about online of people talking about, Eddie Redmayne was up for an Oscar for that um uh for the Stephen Hawkins movie. Okay. Oh yeah, I forgot but about that. They delayed the release of this because this movie was done right about the same time as that movie, right? The theory of everything. They delayed the release of this one. Because they were afraid, because Eddie Redmayne and his people were like, if this comes out, I may not win. Oh, wow. That's just a legit thing. Like, you it look would, it up. It look would, it up, folks. It's it would, online. It, was, it would taint his like, as stellar a, record. As a yeah. little, I mean, you, know, you guys know me well enough to know I have a little conspiracy theory in me. But this is documented online because his character in this movie, he's the villain in this movie, it is horribly bad <laughs> like i i'm waiting for someone to do this movie on my show I'll i'm do, just saying i'll do it I, we need to do this movie on my so, show so i i think i don't think i've told you this story a bit um like i legitimately when i saw the trailers for this movie i was like that looks incredible i can't wait to see this movie it looked like it would be good i saw the reviews and i definitely kind of it kind of staved off my my uh, appetite for the film 
then I, I put it in about, I guess it was probably about six months ago or so. And I, I couldn't get through it. Like I, I got maybe about 25 minutes in the movie. I was like, I can't, I can't do this right now. So I would like to still watch it, but it's going to be ironically yes. <laughs> and only for this show because I, it's one of the few movies in the last few years that I've just had to turn off. I just couldn't, it was so slow. I couldn't get into it. You know, he so, won, Eddie Redmayne won a golden Razzie for, for this, wor- for worst supporting actor. Oh, wow. Which I mean, is that's, what it is. that's I, I think that's so funny. By the way, when like Oscar like Oscar nominated, <laughs> when is that? Is that they have that show? We need to go to that thing, the Razzies. Oh my gosh! Oh, I would love that. Like that would be right up our alley to well, go cover that, right? Oh, absolutely. Can we do. And there, there are um, it's in act- February though, probably. There are act- there are actors that actually attend. <laughs> anyway, so there it is, folks. Uh, number five on our list: Jupiter ascending. That's right. You can have a big cast, great names of people, but it don't matter. It's all the same. You're all going to uh, have problems. By the way, we're uh, six weeks out from the next Fantastic Beast. I don't think we can. Fantastic Beast? That'll, see, that'll be good. Yeah. All right. So number five, Jupiter Ascending. Number four on our list, Phil. <laughs> Battlefield Earth. <laughs> An old friend of ours come back to roost. Uh, if you want to hear... We could have done probably a little better job on our on our watch along. I want to do another watch along <laughs> and talk more during the movie. I failed to do that very well. We do have a watch along episode in our archive of Battlefield Earth, uh, where Grant Youngsma and uh, producer Phil and myself we uh, we watch Battlefield Earth and we then I do a wrap up then I do a wrap up uh, of it as well as a whole week of Battlefield Earth stuff. Uh, anyway, Battlefield Earth. This is the movie. That deleted a uh, entire picture company called Franchise Pictures. Mm. Franchise Pictures in the '90s did a lot of uh, big time stars their little pet projects, right? Okay. Well, this one drained all the money out of it, and John Travolta used a bunch of his own money in it, and called in a bunch of favors from actors like Forrest Whitaker and uh, a little known Kim Coates. But anyway. To come to this uh, and uh, work for you know not much, so Battlefield Earth released in two thousand uh, May of two thousand summer release of course. Uh, Roger Christian. It's based on the source material of L. Ron Hubbard's one of his books uh, that's the basis of Scientology. Um, anyway, uh, starring uh, John Travolta and uh, Forrest Whitaker, and like I said, Kim Coates about a post-apocalyptic future. And we've done this on the show in ad nausea. So I'm just telling you right now, bad movie uh, all the way around. Budget, uh, including uh, inflation and everything else, $103 million. <clears throat> Box office of $30 million. <laughs> Total loss uh, after inflation and including marketing costs, $102 million. Wow. Most of that money, folks, uh, came out of Franchise Pictures' budget who helped try to seed money for this thing and then it ended up uh, it ended up dying. So Travolta was one of the producers on the movie. I wonder if he actually lost personal money, like money from his bank account. <laughs> Probably so. I don't know how any of that works. Franchise but... franchise uh, pictures limped in, uh, limped to 2007, right? Right. But it never recovered fully from uh, this, and it was ended up being bought out at the end anyway. Anyway, long story short, wow. it got a big kick in the pants. Thanks to Battlefield Earth. 
which is really bad. Check it out in our archives. It's really, it is really bad. Episode one twenty two. If you want to, yeah, that's the that, that's the watch along, and then I give an info uh, episode too. Uh, so just just be aware of that too. So lots of Battlefield Earth fun. Um, not the best car episode to listen to if you're in a car. If you're at home watching along, it's, have, it's fine. You have to be watching the, the yeah. Film. So just uh, the little caveat there. All right. So back to this list. That was number four, Battlefield Earth. Number three. Now you may have never seen this one, Phil. Uh, this is a movie called Cutthroat Island, starring Gina Davis. Came out in 1995. Uh, it's got Gina Davis in it. Uh, it's got Matthew Modine, who was huge in 1995, Frank Langella, who plays Skeletor on the Master of the Universe movie, and um, and that's about it. Um, maybe some others, but here we go. Uh, directed by a guy named, uh, uh, someone named Rennie Harlan, uh, and then it came out, like I said, 95, in December of 95, and uh, it had a budget of $98 million. I'm going to find it over here on my list of uh, $98 million. A box office of $18.3 million, but after inflation, marketing, it lost $140 million. Woof. So it's considered, it is considered one of the biggest box office busts ever. It's a it's about a, a, a female pirate. Gina Davis is a female pirate, uh, swashbuckling, uh, just being a female pirate. I, I commend Hollywood in 1995 for trying to put Gina Davis in a lead role uh-huh. and trying to you know, get her uh, going in this direction. Uh, a League of Their Own, didn't it come out before this? Yeah, 92. Yeah. So, Gina Davis, you know, still fresh on, the, on that. It's a huge she, movie for she her. She was never, like, a, a t- an A-list actor in my in my estimation, but she th- she had done movies that were very popular right For female this. actors in 1995, she was still pretty yeah. big, probably. Yeah. She was probably bigger in the early 90s, technically. Yeah. Anyway, but this movie, uh, boy, put a female... Uh, Put, put, putting a female uh, in a lead, which didn't happen a lot then, mm-hmm. especially in an action type movie, and good, you know, commend them for doing that. That's good, uh, but boy, she just uh, they just couldn't get it off the ground. And anytime you shoot at sea, Waterworld will tell you this. <laughs> yeah, we did Waterworld. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, it is. It's you got to watch out because you will it's burn expensive. through all your budget. Oh yeah. So well, I, there, there's the the problem with shooting at sea isn't necessarily the the logistics of it. It's the weather. Like yes. sometimes the weather will just and you have to pay all those people. So you know you've got your key grip. Everyone needs a key grip. Uh, you've got you've got everybody your camera needs key operators. Grip. All the all the camera people. All those the the people that are you know helping with costuming and stuff like that. You have to pay all those people even when there's. A hurricane coming through the area yeah, for the next week. And if they're not working, they're just standing around. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for this phenomenal uh, number two movie on our list? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. You ready? That, by the way, that was number three, Cutthroat Island. Number two, 2013's The Lone Ranger. Really? Yes. I, I saw that in theaters. Let me explain. A lot of people did. Let me explain. I'm going with the critical bust on this one okay and i am going to talk about the loss because of the amount of marketing okay this is the hidden the hidden costs folks okay that you didn't see coming the lone ranger stars johnny depp as tonto <laughs> as a critical bust why did why was he playing tonto uh i would say because of his role as jack i mean in the pirates of the caribbean movies He's an Anglo pirate. <laughs> this is a native person. I understand the whitewashing. Right? Yes. And also, 
It wasn't even a very good Tonto. He's got a bird for a he's got a bird for a hat in this picture. I mean, that's his hat. The, you you can't argue though that he was absolutely chosen for this role because of his role in Pirates. He was chosen because he's Johnny Depp. <laughs> anyway, so folks, here we go. Budget two hundred fifteen million dollars. That's ama- that is, that's an amazing amount of that's money. That's a lot of money. Marketing one hundred and seventy five million dollars. Wow. To market this thing. Where, where did they market it? I wonder. Over everywhere. Everywhere you can market anything. Um, starring Johnny Depp. Army Hammer as Lone Ranger. They blew a lot of their budget on Johnny Depp, by the way. Just for the record. Tom Wilkinson, who I like. Uh, Barry Pepper is also... is Barry Pepper is in this movie and in Battlefield Earth. Anyway, sorry. And uh, this is a Disney movie. This is a Dis- another, another Disney, great Disney movie. Uh, earnings of $260 million for a total loss after all those... $129 million. Yeah, that's a lot. That, but I'm telling you that marketing. Like, it was just like outlandish. Yeah. That was the high estimate that I found online, that high estimate of marketing. And, I mean, gosh, that is, maybe I'm just off or whatever, and I don't understand how much marketing goes into some of these bigger pictures and stuff like that, but why would you ever spend $175 million on one film? I don't know. And, and then never be, never be able to recoup it, because they don't care. All these people are spending this, it's not even their money. Disney yeah. is so deep-pocketed. All right, let's get to our final one so we can have a little recap at the end. Okay. The number one box office bust, in my opinion, folks, and here's why. I'm going to tell you right now, is, drum roll please, Green Lantern. <laughs> nice. <laughs> here's why it's Green Lantern, folks. Listen, I understand. It, it didn't lose as much as other things, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Two million, $200 million budget. Uh, this came out in 2011, starring Ryan Reynolds. It was going to revolutionize the DC Universe because it was going to be a tentpole for whatever they were going to do with the Justice League before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was going to be a, a nice stepping stone in that direction. You're still coming out of the Christian Bale Batman. Was this movie one after that that series of movies, the Batman movies? This is after. This is the first one but, after the But this movies. was supposed to be the tentpole for the new... It, well, it's on its way to some sort of a, a combined universe. Gotcha. They hadn't just scrapped the Christian Bale Batman, which, by the way, they screwed... In my opinion, the Christian Bale Batman stuff, not using it, they screwed up. Yeah. Well, throw that, as much money at him. Throw money at him if you want to oh, get yeah. a universe. That should have been ground zero. Right. And then you have this movie and blah, 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 blah. Well, then this movie didn't do very well, and it, the, the script was bad, the CGI was really weird. It was really bad. And Ryan Reynolds is not uh, Hal Jordan. He, he has found his... He's Flash. Well... You know what I'm saying? He's he's comical. He's not... He's not... He's Deadpool. Serious. Like, like he, He's found his yes. his place in Deadpool. Yes. Uh, let me wrap this up, and then we'll, we'll we'll continue this on the back end after the radio folks go away, but... Um, which we're sad to see you go. So check us out online. StudioDNA.com slash... No, everyone. Spreaker.com slash StudioDNA. Um, to listen to the rest of this, or go to iTunes. Uh, budget two hundred million dollars. Gross uh, box office two hundred twenty million dollars. Marketing added in and everything else, and a little bit of inflation. Ninety six million dollar loss. Wow. After marketing, uh, and the biggest thing for me is it blew up that Green Lantern being in the DC universe until now. I mean, we're not even going to see one. I mean, it's going to take a long time for that to happen. Right. Anyway, that's why I'm giving that the number one spot uh, on our uh, countdown. Uh, and also, uh, Dave in the live chat wrapped this up. Uh, yeah, he goes back in time to, to destroy to destroy the chances of having a Green Lantern. Radio folks, we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. You rock and or roll. <laughs> okay, so uh, to continue this talk real quick, for me, 
the DC Universe, as is right now, one is reeling because as of recording this time, and I know I try to keep these as evergreen as possible so we can, you know, you could listen to this in, you know, five or six years and still it'd still be applicable. But very recently, we've all learned that Henry Cavill is probably not going to play Superman again. Yeah. I mean, is that confirmed? I, I think it pretty much is. Okay. By the way, that's a death knell. For the, for what the are they going to do? I don't like, know. What, what could they possibly do with that now? I mean, what is it's a similar question to. I mean, for a long time they thought that um, it's not Chris Hemsworth, the guy that plays Captain America. I'm like, oh, Christopher Evans. Chris Evans. Uh, Chris Evans was was supposed to leave the series and then he didn't, and then someone says, you know, is is he done now or whatever? But that would be like losing Superman after a couple movies is like saying. You know, we lost Robert Downey Jr. or we lost, you know, any of these guys from playing the roles that they're playing. Robert Downey Jr. after, it's the equivalent of Robert Downey Jr. after the second Iron Man movie being like, I'm not going to play Iron Man anymore. Well, exactly. And, like, we've had him in so many movies, including Spider-Man and stuff like that at this point. Like, if he ever wanted to hang his hat and say, look, I've I've done what I came to do um, after 10 years. I mean, he was the first movie in 2008. After 10 years of, of Iron Man and stuff like that, I'm ready to pass the torch. That would be fine. But they're like DC is literally trying to get the plane off the runway right now. Well, and they went about it in a really weird way. Like they went about it with there's that Superman movie. We're not even going to talk about Christian Bale's Batman, which is the best work in the DC universe, in my opinion. It, those three oh, yeah. movies, especially the first two, are the best. Yeah, that, that's been done. And then and no offense to Ben Affleck, because I honestly think Ben Affleck's done. He has done a lot better as Batman than I thought he would, mm-hmm. because after Daredevil, folks. Cause we've we've done Daredevil on this show, mm-hmm. and after Daredevil, you're like, I don't think Ben Affleck can yeah, play a superhero. He's not a superhero actor, but he's done a great job as Batman. He's I'm going to give him credit. He's been for good. That. Yeah, but even that, by the like, way, even he is like half in the boat sometimes, half out of the boat. You know what's really weird? I was thinking about this the other day, and it's funny we're talking about box office flops. The DC movies, though, critically have not done very well box office wise. They've done pretty good. Like they keep making these movies because yeah. people are going to see and them. Yeah, and that's why movies get made. I mean, I understand yeah. that, but it's one of those where, as far as keeping that universe going, but, but like this, this was this, this is one thing. The Green Lantern movie, why I put it number one on the bus list, is because it it was a, yet another example of the Wright brothers not being able to get that plane off the ground. Yeah, you know, uh, and so, but the, so here's the real question: is um, will Will audiences stomach yet another Superman? Like they've had like what three different Supermans what in the last? What can they do though? <laughs> they had Superman they Returns. They CGI him like his, like they, how they took his mustache off in that one. Just you know, just make his whole body oh, yeah. a mustache. Yeah, um, but like, I mean, critically, the movies have not done well except for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman has been amazing. It was great. Yeah, it was a great film. Um, but all the other ones like Suicide Squad, all those movies have not done well critically, but they've made enough money. Will audiences support a movie with a new Superman in the middle of the plane getting off the runway? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I I know a lot, I've talked to a lot of, and this is just anecdotes, obviously not actual critical research, but I, a lot of the friends that I've talked to that are about DC just in general, about the, how the movies are going, the franchise mm-hmm. is, is spinning up. A lot of them are already getting kind of tired of it. Like they're just like, I don't, I don't know if I'll go see the next one. You know, maybe I'll wait, wait for the video. tone is so different that like Marvel does a good job of of keeping tones different in those movies. Like Ant Man is different than Guardians, but they're still both kind of fun. And then like Iron Man to, compared to Captain America, and like the tones are all different. Yeah, you could do hey, they, Marvel could you literally do a Black Widow Hawkeye movie now, and people will go watch it. Oh yeah, keep the budget low. You know what I'm saying? Keep the budget low so the expectations are low. 
and then it would make good money, and it would do fine, and it would be worth watching. Yeah, I mean, listen, like in the pre-show for patrons that got to hear the pre-show, they heard us talk about Black Panther. I mean, in a in a universe where Black Panther is one of the top ten highest-grossing films of all time, yeah, period. Uh, not just action films, that. like just any movie that's ever come out. Yes, they can do whatever they want, and people will go see it, and people will pay a lot of money to see, to it, rewatch it. It's much like we talk about Wonder Woman being a huge success, a uh, a female lead in an action movie, huge. Uh, and Black Panther, Afri- African American mm-hmm. uh, male being in the lead role, and it's huge, a huge movie. Yeah, and it just says when movies are done right, then it doesn't. You know, you can make make everyone's dreams come true. So is Ben Affleck out as well? That was the rumor, but then I didn't. I don't think I heard anything official. But wouldn't he be now? What, don't you? If you're him, going. What are these people going to do? I mean, he was already kind of getting sour on the role even before this news yeah. came out, and I can't imagine it getting better this after that. Henry Cavill, is he not doing it, though, because he's going to end up being 007? I don't know. Which, I again, I thought Idris... I would love I wanted Idris Elba to be 007. But he would have to don some kind of a British accent, so it's, I think it's... for Who? me. It's, Idris Elba has a British accent. You know, I'm talking about um, Henry Cavill. He has a British accent. Does he really? Yes! Oh, I didn't know that. So either one of those two people is, in my eyes, it's not that big of a stretch, right? I think Henry Cavill would be a great Bond. I'm saying I think he is British, right? I don't know. I don't we, know much about. Let me look this up. We 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 should know these things. <laughs> um. Anyway, so there you go, folks. But I, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and call it now. If Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck are both out of the franchise, what are you even going to do then? I, th- I think you just take a few years off. Just call it good. Here's the problem with that, though: is Aquaman's about to come and you out. Got Shazam coming out. Yeah. So Which what, I want to see what that. Do, what do you do with those movies? Zachary, poor Zachary Levi. It's too late to pull the plug on Aquaman. That that movie's coming out. So yes, he is British. Henry okay. Cavill is British. Okay, I thought he was. Anyway, so yeah. check it out, folks. Here's our top ten list. I'm going to recap them for you. Number ten, Poseidon, the CGI nightmare. Number nine, John Carter. Is he a space uh, a person going to Mars or is he a attorney? Uh, number eight, Titan AE. Uh, it shut down Fox Animated Studios. Number seven, Mars Needs Moms. I'm not going to say anything else. Number six, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Uh, Eddie Murphy wants uh, to get paid. Number five, Jupiter Ascending. Eddie Redmayne called. He says he wants us to delay the release of this movie because he may not uh, win the Oscar for his other movie. Number four, Battlefield Earth. John Travolta. Man, come on, dude. Give it a break. Uh, Number three, Cutthroat Island. Kudos to Gina Davis. They put her in a lead role, but they had to film at sea, and all their budgets went to heck in a handbasket. Number two, The Lone Ranger. Phil loves this movie, apparently. Uh, I just struggle with this one, and it did lose a lot of money. So, For the record, I did not say that I love the movie. It's his favorite movie, folks. Uh, And uh, number one, by, again, Jack's opinion, Green Lantern, because it set the DC universe, it, it, it kept it from getting off the ground in its infancy, and it just made things just tough. Anyway, there it is. Phil. The only movie that I wanted to mention, and this is not at all like higher on the list than anything that we've mentioned. I'll just call it an honorable mention at the end or whatever. I have not seen this movie, but I want to really bad, and it's because of his the director's uh, track record. But King Arthur, Legend of yes, the Sword. Yes, and that's a movie that, yeah. That movie came out last year. I never went to go see it. Uh, and I still haven't seen it, even on video to this day. Um, budget of 175, box office of uh, a little less than 150, but I'm sure probably marketing puts it over 175 on budget. It probably lost I don't know 50 or 60 million or more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Guy Ritchie, and I don't know if I've, if you and I have ever had this conversation, but if you were to like hold a gun to my head right now and say, "Tell me your favorite action movie, like crime flick or whatever mm-hmm. of all time," it's Snatch. I love Snatch. That's awesome. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Period of any genre. That's cool. Um, Guy Ritchie, of course, famous now. I mean, that he was doing Lockstock and Revolver and like all these other movies before. Snatch. Snatch comes out, Brad Pitt's in it, and it starts to he starts to pick up a little bit of steam when he becomes the director for the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr. Which are awesome. Yeah. Then then he Guy Ritchie immediately goes way up into the like the public consciousness. When this movie was announced, I was like, that movie is gonna be awesome. Like mm-hmm. it is gonna completely take audiences by storm. And it only made fifteen million dollars in its opening weekend. It's crazy. It's weird. Nuts. Really weird. Yeah. And it's a source material though that People Are have seen that kind before of a little on. bit. Well, or or it's like, man, we've kind of seen this before. Can you pull up while I uh, kill uh, a couple seconds here? Yeah, because uh, I want to do our honorable, my honorable mention at least. Okay, pull up that uh, the the song from Pan and just turn it down a little bit so it's in the background. <laughs> we need a little soundtrack. Okay, we need a little soundtrack for our honorable mention. I'm going to go back over the top 10 list again one last time. By the way, the only movie that I think I will probably watch that's on your list, if I'm remembering all correctly, is uh, your favorite movie, The Lone Ranger. Is probably Jupiter Ascending. Like that's, Jeez. But I, I, I won't enjoy it, though. I can is do that. Train on that soundtrack with Drop to Jupiter. Um, Poseidon, number 10. John Carter, number 9. Number 8, Titan AE. Number 7, Mars Needs Moms. Number 6, Pluto Nash. Number 5, Jupiter Ascending. Number 4, Battlefield Earth. Number three, Cutthroat Island. Number two, The Lone Ranger. And number one, Green Lantern. My honorable mention picks for the biggest box office bust of all time. R.I.P.D. Oh, wow. Men in, basically, this is Men in Black with the we, Dead. We've never done that movie, right? No, we need to. Was that was that one, one that It's Aaron got Ryan through? Reynolds in it. It's got Jeff Bridges in it. It looks hilarious. I've never seen I've it. I've heard but... it's horrible. So, anyway, Sahara. Was it Aaron Dyser going to do that one? I feel like we had said he was going to at one point. Okay. I don't know. Uh, RIPD, honorable mention. Sahara, starring Matthew McConaughey. This is from a, is it Orson Scott? No, it's Clive Cussler novel. Uh, and it's, uh, no, not good. Stealth is another movie that gets panned a lot. Uh, basically, it's Top Gun 2000 and uh, The 13th Warrior, which is from a Michael Crichton novel. Uh, and it is, uh, that's the source material uh, for it. But it didn't do so well. It had Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Uh, so Antonio. Banderas. Anyway, there you go, folks. Uh, those are the rest of them. The honorable mention. We're going to let Smells Like Teen Spirit, sung by <laughs> Hugh Jackman from Pan, <laughs> sing you out. Uh, folks, thanks for tuning into the live chat. You rock. Thanks for coming on and listening to the show. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating, please. Um, we would love to have you uh, give us some suggestions for more movies. Uh, we would love to hear your top 10 biggest flops and uh, chime in on that. Top 10 favorite movies of all time. You give me a top 10 list, folks. I may just read it on the air. Uh, call the horror movie, horror movie uh, phone, 417-319-4677. Uh, we've got some plans coming down the pipe for some Comic-Cons we're going to attend. Uh, maybe we'll be near you and you can uh, join in. On the fun, Phil, anything else? No, man. This was fun. I enjoyed this. Okay. Always fun. Always great. I uh, saw um, I saw School of Rock at the Alamo Draft House today with my wife and my son, and we uh, it was great. It was the, it's the 15th anniversary. 
of School of Rock. That movie's out. timeless. It's so good. It was really funny in theaters, too. I've seen it a billion times. And my son's seen it a billion times. He loves it. He loves it. It's good. Jackbox good. Anyway, so uh, thanks to all the fans. Like I said, we got a cool uh, care package from Dave, uh, David. We uh, appreciate it. Uh, we started the episode talking about it. And then, um, uh, Brian, your kind words about Studio DNA. And then we uh, read some uh, iTunes reviews. Check them out, folks. David, we are holding your uh, gifts in our hands right now, and, and they are amazing. Thank you so, so much. So grateful. So grateful. Really uh, cool. You really rock. Cool. Everybody rocks, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll see y'all soon, y'all. Take it back now, y'all. Three hops this time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, have a great one. All right, see you guys. Peace out. The Horror Movie Podcast is heard weekly on great stations like 88.1 KZ88, South Central Missouri's Public Radio, 104.1 Caps Media in Ventura, California, 103.5 WADR, Janesville, Wisconsin, and 105.5 KFGM, Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula. The Horror Movie Podcast is available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at the thehorrormoviepodcast.com.